Thanks for joining me for another episode of Trip Report. On today's episode, we're going to talk about 5-methoxydimethyltryptamine, also known as 5-MeO-DMT or just 5-MeO. 5-methoxydmt is found in a variety of plants and seeds, but its source is most commonly cited in the venom of the Bufo alvarius toad. It's also known as the Sonoran Desert Toad or the Colorado River Toad. This toad has two glands on the side of its head and it sprays venom to ward off predators. The venom is collected by milking these glands and manually spraying it onto a sheet of glass where it dries and the crystalline substance is then vaporized to deliver the drug. There is an episode of Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia that takes a deep dive into the history of how this became common knowledge and it's definitely worth checking out. 5-MeO really came onto the radar in recent years when infamous heavyweight boxer Mike Tyson came forward about his experience with the toad. There's an animated version of his synopsis on YouTube that's definitely worth checking out. On his first appearance on the Joe Rogan experience, he detailed about how it really reset his priorities in life and that he didn't want to fight or even train anymore because he had experienced true love and no longer wanted to tap into his angry side. Arguably the most savage heavyweight boxer of all time, doing a few years in prison for rape, and upon his return to the ring, biting a chunk out of Evander Holyfield's ear, no longer wanted to tap into anything that sparked anger because of the experience that he had smoking toad venom. Fascinating stuff. Real quick, it always kills me with the misconceptions that get spread around about various psychedelics. For example, mushrooms make you trip because you're experiencing food poisoning. One of these misconceptions is that of licking a frog. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. The only frog intoxicants to my knowledge are Phylomedusa bicolor, which we talked about in the combo episode, which has to be administered into superficial burns in the skin, and Bufo alvarius, which is a toad, not a frog, and the venom has to be smoked to experience any effects. I digress. People often refer to DMT as the spirit molecule and 5-MeO as the god molecule. The main difference cited is that DMT is a very visual molecule. It seems to transport you to an alien realm full of bizarre geometric landscapes and entities. While 5-MeO is much less visual and at high doses, users often just report a brilliant white light, similar to that of people who have near-death experiences or seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. I have to be honest, I was very hesitant about ever dabbling with 5-MeO. I had heard a few instances of people having issues re-grounding back into this reality after smoking 5-MeO. Kyle Kingsbury, former UFC fighter, went into full crisis mode after a 5-MeO ceremony. He said he had done it many times previously. However, he said that he got stuck in a loop of hearing the shaman tell him everything was going to be okay and hearing the spark of a lighter igniting a pipe so that the shaman could dive into the realm and try to help him get out. He said this cycle went on over and over again. No visuals other than just that bright white light. And he was convinced that he had died and would just continue through this loop of hearing everything will be okay. The lighter spark over and over again for eternity. Eventually he found his way back, but every time he would get into bed and try to fall asleep, that loop would pop back up again, just as vivid as it did while he was under the influence of the drug, and he would fight to snap himself out of it, resulting in not sleeping for several days, which induced a state of psychosis. He had to seek medical attention and have pharmaceutical intervention to be able to sleep again, and had to reach out for additional help months later to finally put the issues in his past. 
My lady had also received a referral of a patient who had smoked 5-MeO and had a similar experience of not being able to ground back into reality. She asked him about trying to meditate and relax the mind, but he said that any form of closing his eyes to relax snapped him back into that realm and that the anxiety associated with it was becoming unbearable. I was also in a psychedelic integration group online and there was a girl talking about how she had recently had a 5-MeO experience and still had not felt as if she had returned to this reality and she was visually shook. I mean, I think there were tears in her eyes as she told the story, worried that she was broken forever. Needless to say, hearing of these instances slid 5-MeO to the very bottom of my bucket list. So in the last two solo casts, I detailed falling into that death realm with the six grams of mushrooms and again years later with the heavy dose of ayahuasca. I was very hesitant to dabble with any psychedelics after those experiences, and I realized it was probably time to strengthen my mind again. I had a pretty strong meditation practice prior to ever finding psilocybin, and I had to wonder if my first few dozen experiences with it were so powerful because I was in better control of my mind and navigating that space. My meditation practice had been pretty non-existent over the past few years, and I had to wonder if that had anything to do with my inability to let go. So I started weekly visits to the sensory deprivation tank again. It had been quite some time since I had been in a float tank, but I truly feel like I unlocked some new superpower between then and now. Pretty much every time I would get in the tank, I would spend the first half hour dropping in as deep as I could go into the meditative state, and then messages would just start flowing to me about all sorts of different things that honestly have changed my life. In one of my float tank sessions, I was pondering MDMA. It was very high on my bucket list. My planned trajectory was to get the education necessary to enroll in MAPS MDMA therapist training so that I could work with it as a tool as soon as the FDA approved it. Although I had heard and read hundreds of accounts of how it drastically improved people's lives, I had not yet experienced it myself because I never found what I felt like was a trustworthy source of it. There was some local lady that popped up on Instagram recently that was talking about establishing some business associated with MDMA therapy here. I reached out to her to see if she knew any underground therapists that were trustworthy that I could work with. She responded and said that she herself was one and that her treatment was $6,000. Thanks, but no thanks. So I was in the tank and I thought, I wonder if Colin from VWAT has any connections because he speaks at a lot of these psychedelic events and I know he knows a lot of people in the space. So I got out of the tank and as I was texting him to inquire, I received an incoming call from Colin. Talk about synchronicity. Before I could bring up the MDMA, he asked me if I had service-connected TBI or PTSD. I told him that I had the PTSD connection, but I was never formally diagnosed with TBI, although I suspected that I had some level of it considering the artillery cannons I was next to for a few months in Fallujah. He explained that there was a research study being conducted the following week about the effects of 5-MeO on veterans diagnosed with these issues and wanted to know if I was interested in participating. There was something different about his voice in the phone call. He sounded much more vibrant. I explained to him my hesitancy about 5-MeO, and he told me that he had just done a full day treatment with MDMA, psilocybin, and 5-MeO, and he said that it was the most powerful, life-changing experience that he's ever had. We talked about it on a previous episode. I could sense it even through the phone. He told me that he would put me in touch with the gentleman in charge of the study and that I could discuss my hesitancy with him and see if I was a good fit, so I obliged. 
Later that day, I spoke with a facilitator of the study and his wife. I guess I'll keep running with Colin's pseudonyms of Professor X and Madam X. They were very kind. They explained their background, how many people they had worked with, and the goal of the study. I explained my hesitancy about working with 5-MeO, and Professor X stated that many times when people have such an issue, it's when the toad venom is used rather than the synthetic pure 5-MeO molecule that was being used in the study. He said that when people get the venom too hot too quickly, that the user receives more bufotenine than 5-MeO, which may have a neurotoxic effect rather than a therapeutic one. He said that after administering to hundreds of people, he never had one of these instances of people being unable to ground afterwards. He was a good salesman for sure, and I agreed to participate. I was scheduled for a week later. When I was initially told it was a research study, I guess my mind expected that I would be in a clinic or an office or something along those lines. But I put the address into my GPS and I found myself at a house in a nice neighborhood not too far south from my place. I think that caught me a little off guard and my nerves started building. My lady was out of town at the time, so I called to let her know that I had arrived at the study, knowing that the sound of her voice would take some of the edge off. She has my location through our phones, so I figured if something terrible happened, at least she would be able to track me down. I told her that I loved her, she wished me luck, and we said our goodbyes, and I headed toward the house. As I approached the driveway, I saw Will walking down. I was so grateful to see a familiar face. He gave me a big hug, but there was definitely something off about him. He's usually just hes so bright and cheerful, but he looked like he had just been through something really heavy. I asked him how it went. He said that it went amazing, but that, and I quote, I guess I just need to go figure my life out. So we parted ways and then, oh man, the nerves were back. I knocked on the door and was greeted by someone who was helping out for the day. We introduced ourselves. He invited me in. He brought me over to the coffee table to fill out some paperwork. He was very soft-spoken. There were two other veterans receiving the treatment currently, so I guess it was to not bother them, but... As he put the papers down, he explained that by signing the documents, I was becoming a member of this church and I would be receiving a sacrament. I immediately thought, oh shit, I've landed myself into a psychedelic cult. I've always been fascinated by cults and could never understand how people could sign up for something so crazy. And now I'm understanding, oh, this is how it happens. The nerve spiked. Professor X stepped into the room, introduced himself, and he talked me through some of the paperwork that I was so hesitant to sign. But I thought back to that synchronicity with Colin after the message from the float tank, and I thought, I don't know why, but I'm supposed to be here. I signed the documents, and I followed them into the kitchen to do the pre-5-MEO EEG. They put the contraption on my head, and with my eyes open, focused on a single point, I had to hold still for a minute or two. Then, with my eyes closed, holding still for another minute or two. Mind you, this whole experience, everyone was still so soft-spoken, and maybe because my mind was already set that I had joined a cult, it just felt extra culty. I thought to myself, if they would just talk to me like a normal person, this would feel so much less culty and like just easier to comprehend. I had completed the pre-EEG, and they said I was just waiting for the chair to be free because another veteran was wrapping up. A few minutes later, I saw Dre, another VWAT member, stumbling out of the room, a facilitator under each armpit guiding him. He looked disheveled and confused. They said it was my turn, and I thought, fuck, what am I getting myself into? 
We walk into the room and the entire wall, ceiling, and floor in front of the chair was lit with a projector playing just beautiful nature scenes. They explained the procedure. I was to sit in this heavily vibrating massage chair. I would have noise-canceling headphones playing some kind of music and Madame X would intermittently offer me the 5-MeO vape pens numbered from 1 to 6, which signified lower to higher potency. She said she would place the pen she said she would place the pen near my lips and I would start to inhale until she twisted and pulled the pen away. And then I was to continue inhaling air until my lungs were completely full. I would hold it for 10 seconds and then I would completely exhale. And after two minutes, she would place the next pen to my lips, so on and so forth. They asked if I had any questions. Again, a giant ball of nerves. I just asked, probably a dumb question, but you guys have both done this yourself, correct? They kind of chuckled and said, of course, and I was off. So the first pen comes to my lips. I take the hit and the taste was very reminiscent of like DMT and or salvia, kind of familiar. Like I knew that we're going somewhere deep. I inhale, hold, exhale, nothing. Two minutes go by. She offers the second pen again, inhale, hold, exhale. And again, nothing. Pen three comes my way. I inhaled, held, exhaled, and so very bizarrely, my visual field divided in two, splitting to the left and right, turning into fractals. And I thought, oh shit, here we go. But the fractals came back together and rebuilt my visual space to normalcy pretty quickly, all within about, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds. But my mind started to wander. First, I thought about losing my dog Bullet only a few weeks ago and that I would never get to see him again, and that triggered some tears. Prior to leaving work for this study, I was talking with a coworker, and he really opened up about a difficult childhood with an abusive father and some issues he was having with his wife, and I just felt so sad for him, which continued that trail of tears. And then the next pen came into view. I took the hit, held it for 10 seconds, exhaled, my mind felt like it continued to open, but there was no real visual change. But now I started to feel some tightness in my chest. Immediately, all hell broke loose in the brain. The thought process was, this all started with mushrooms, which my research showed me was the safest psychedelic. But those experiences led me up a ladder until I found myself here in an encounter, what is argued to be the strongest of all psychedelics. And this is the one that will be the death of me. This chest pain is my heart beginning to tap out, and I'm going to die in this chair. Just as I had that thought, the next pen was in my face. Talk about a predicament. I thought to myself, I realized following the 6-gram mushroom and subsequent ayahuasca trip that I would have probably been much better off if I had just been able to surrender and let go and figured, this is it. This ego needs to die. It's time to kill it. So I inhale, hold, exhale and my eyelids started getting very heavy. And everything I thought about through that mushroom and ayahuasca trip, it just hit me all at once. That sad child, the boot camp breaking my brain, the Iraq deployments, the divorce, the consuming the forbidden fruit, it all just came flooding in and I felt like I needed to puke. So I sat up, they handed me a bucket. I just had one strong dry heave, but nothing came out. I sat there with my head over the bucket and this bizarre series of demonic growls released out of my core. I don't know if it was a combination of a drug and the echo of the bucket that I simply interpreted that way, but it was scary. And as the growls came out, 
I mean, probably six of them, just like these deep, guttural, I mean, evil-sounding demonic growls. The nausea dissipated, and I just laid back in the chair again, confused, only to have the pen back in my face. I thought, well, we're all in at this point, so inhale, hold, exhale, and my entire visual field began to be highlighted by white. And that white became more and more immense until I saw nothing but the brightest, most vivid, magnificent light I've ever seen. There seemed to be some type of like electricity running through that bright white light as well. And as my vision whited out, I got this overwhelming sense of warmth and comfort unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And I thought, oh, this is it. I've definitely died. I got a quick glimpse of my loved ones, my parents, Morgan, Toki, my brothers, and I thought, it's a bummer I'm leaving them behind, but everything's going to be okay for them. This place is so much better than that one. They'll join me when it's their time, and I let go of everything that is or was Sean on planet Earth as the warmth and comfort carried me into this pure white light. I would be curious to know how long I was out because it seemed like as soon as I let go and surrendered to the other side that the whiteout began to dissipate and my reality was reassembled around me. I glanced over at Madame X on my right and Professor X on my left. They both had a look of concern on their faces, but I cracked a smile and they both mirrored it. She put the pen back in my face and with a smile I shook my head no. I said, when you get the message, hang up the phone. Professor X asked, what's the message? And I replied, it's love. It's just love. Professor X placed his hand on my chest and Madame X grabbed my hand and I could feel the energy pulsing from their bodies into mine. I've mentioned in previous experiences with plant medicines that I felt as if I was reset after trips or that my hard drive was defragmented. But at that moment, I truly felt reborn. While I completely solidified here back on Earth, what followed was essentially a therapy session. I had intention of releasing the full audio on this episode, but GoPros aren't known for the best sound quality, and I think it would be hard to decipher, especially with the vibration of the chair in the background, but I'll summarize some of the highlights. So after a minute or so of just laughing and having very audible exhales, I put my hands on the side of my head and I just asked, how is this possible? They laughed and I said, oh my God, thank you guys so much. I can't tell you how many times I knew I was headed in the right direction with the use of plant medicines, but nothing. Ugh. It was just this fear of death and letting go, but it was so easy to let go. Oh my God. The whole time I was afraid it was death. Like every single plant medicine experience, I was afraid of legitimately dying. And I think it was having you guys here that made all the difference because the solo journeys just freaked me the fuck out. You know, like the higher dose mushroom trips, it was just hard to wrap my head around like I might be the last one here all alone. Madame X responded, human beings are wired for connection, for our survival. I'm not surprised you've had that experience. Love and community is essential. It's fundamental. I asked, how did you find this? She responded, long story. It takes a lot of suffering to get this and a lot of exploration. I commented how I had previously read Call and Call and was currently reading The Nature of Drugs by Alexander Shulgin and how much she and Professor X reminded me of the Shulgins. And she responded, well, we were just at their farm for bicycle day. I laughed and exclaimed, I was so nervous. And she replied, ah, I'm glad you found your way to us. So, so grateful. I replied, it's unbelievable. She said, thank you for helping us with this research because it's supportive of everything that we have found, we've experienced, every anecdotal bit of evidence. Thank you for trusting us. Thank you for enduring and continuing to search. 
I laughed and I said, I gotta admit, when I came here, I thought this feels real culty. Everyone busted out laughing and Madame X said, if they give me the Kool-Aid, I'm gonna run. I laughed and I said again, I was so nervous, but it was just so easy to let go. I get it. You know what I mean? It was like that click. I get it all. And I get the just one and done. I don't know why you would need any more clarity. It's just love. I got choked up and I said, I know too many people who have taken their own lives. Why is this not available to fucking everybody? Not just veterans, but everybody. They need the chance to be able to just let go and know that we just need to love each other. I said, I was so scared that my brain was broken after the military because boot camp is brainwashing. That's what it's for. They tell you at 18 years old that it's okay to kill other people and it's never okay to kill other people. And so how the fuck are you going to try to program somebody to be a killer and then not get that out of them? How many of years of my life have I been burying this trained killer that's not me? It never was. It's not in my core. It's just like I could never send anybody to join the military at this point. Like I have the respect for all the uniformed people out there that do what they got to do. But I could never in good conscience tell someone, go break your brain and try to serve for a purpose that has no good intent for the world. Professor X, with a substantial military past himself, chimed in and said, yep, I discouraged my son and his friends from joining. Madam X said, especially when you see so very clearly that it's broken childhoods that drive these boys and girls into the military, thinking that it's going to keep them safe and make them worthy, but it harms them more. I said, I have amazing parents, but it's only in the last few years that I've really been reaching out and plant medicines have gotten me in touch with these people in humanity. And I've been able to look at their history and what their parents were like, because time goes by so quickly that I never even met my grandparents on my dad's side. And it sounds like he had a rather challenging upbringing. And I'm just so grateful that my parents were so loving. So I have this thought process of, I was raised so comforting and loving by the best parents of the world. And something still drove me to this darkness of the military. But I guess the question is, did I have to go through hell to be able to help others? Madame X talks a little bit about her background and what she saw with the failure of the Western medicine system. And I segued to the next topic. So I got choked up again and I said, I've gotten glimpses of her ayahuasca over the last several ceremonies where I was stuck and finally able to let it go was looking in the mirror and so much of my whole life was, I think for me being overweight as a kid or maybe something before spawned the negative self-image, but being able to embrace me for who I am. It's like, I know what I look like from the outside. I mean, I've had so many people tell me you should be a model or you should be an actor, but it's like, I couldn't allow myself because when I looked in the mirror, I couldn't see what other people saw. And I know I'm a damn good looking person. Like there's no questioning that. I know what the societal perception of good looking is. I'm so blessed to be in this six foot four vehicle to navigate this earth in and to be born into America, arguably the freest place on the planet. But for so long, not being able to just embrace this and be able to fully take it to its potential. It's sad. Madame X shared, amen. I was a model. And what I found out was that the more successful I became, the uglier I felt. When you look like you do on the outside and all the projections come at you and you think what you're doing is right, but something doesn't feel right, it leaves you with such an emptiness and loneliness for a very long time. And I found that mushrooms taught me that, that it was such a gift to have this kind of exterior and this sort of strength because it just makes you a bigger, more capacious vessel, not only for the suffering, but for the love and the kindness to take into the world and do something with it as you are now. 
Our discussion progressed back to what a shame it is that there's a financial barrier to people who need this kind of help. I brought up that local lady that was charging $6,000 for MDMA therapy, which she scoffed at. And I explained how it really brings into the biblical context of give everything up and find God because without the feeling of love and self-acceptance, is it really even worth living? The people who hoard billions of dollars seeking positions of power are missing the point. The wealthiest people across the world have the financial means to right everything that's wrong with this world, but they're broken, power hungry, and missing the love for themselves that is necessary to love and help others. Professor X states, it's opening the bandwidth to source that gives you this, reminds you who you are and what we're connected to, and it's the disconnection from source that drives people to think that accumulation of shit is going to do it. I say that I knew one of my biggest battles was Catholic guilt. One of the things that messed me up with psilocybin was I kept telling myself when I got into these stuck weird places, oh, mushrooms are the forbidden fruit and you shouldn't have eaten them. And now it's game over. And I think that led to the same thinking of post boot camp that my brain was broken. And even though mushrooms brought me so much freedom and started this healing journey, I kept thinking you broke your brain by doing these things. But no, this was nature's gift all along. I can't fathom how anyone would charge money for these things. I think it's important that every mushroom that's grown is gifted to somebody in need. You can't charge money for something that the earth has produced for us for free. Professor X chimed in and said that's what the church is all about. I'm not sure how long we will survive, but restricting it to just people who can afford it, it's wrong. And that was it. They helped me up out of the chair. I made my way back to the kitchen for the follow-up EEG. I said my goodbyes and I was on my way. I got in the car feeling completely sober, not under the influence at all, but changed, revitalized, colors were brighter, the earth was even more beautiful than normal, and music sounded amazing. I slept great that night. I awoke in the morning like my batteries had been completely recharged to 100%. I'm typically on the road by 5.45 for work in the morning, and I usually hate driving in rush hour traffic, but seriously, it felt fun to drive. It was like the first time I had ever driven a car. I actually enjoyed the fact that I had this crazy machine with four wheels with the ability to navigate it at 80 miles an hour down the freeway with hundreds of other cars around me. And music still sounded unbelievable, like I had heard it for the first time. I arrived at work. I was so grateful for the job that I have. I made my way into the shop, happy to see my coworkers, and I immediately got hit with some issues that were happening between the company and the union. Everyone was aggravated, but I just sat there completely at peace about the situation. I thought, so what? Fire us. I'll find another job. Everything just rolled straight off my back for the next few days. Not a care in the world, just full of love for everyone and everything. Unfortunately, that feeling tapered off after two or three days. I like to say that I walked into that research study running at about 75%. Following that treatment, I was at 100% for those two to three days, and I'd say I settled back down to about 90%. So certainly much better off than where I was going into this. My fear of psychedelics was lifted. My self-perception repaired. 5-MeO was everything I could have possibly hoped for and then some. It truly unlocked something inside of me that has been stuck for so long. All that said, I've seen others struggle with this molecule. And I had to ask myself, why was this so beneficial for me and others not so much? And a few things came to mind. First, I have done so much work up until this point. I mean, countless experiences with psilocybin over the past eight years, seven ayahuasca ceremonies, and a handful of other psychedelic experiences. Throw in the meditation practice, 
dozens of sessions in the float tank. These are all things that I've done to strengthen my mind before that ceremony. I think it's just as important to have your body ready for this experience as your mind. I spend at least six days a week doing some sort of physical activity, whether it's lifting weights, running, riding my bike, or at the very least walking my dog twice a day. I try to sauna daily. I do red light therapy. I do cold plunges. My diet is obnoxiously clean. I rarely consume alcohol. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't rely on any substance for daily use. I suspect the reason I had such a beneficial reaction to 5-MeO while others may have struggled were because I put so much effort into keeping this vessel functioning at its best. I mean, if your life is full of sugar and fast food and booze and cigarettes, and you're mostly sedentary, wasting away playing video games or watching Netflix, I hate to break it to you, but there's no magic pill. As they say, garbage in, garbage out. Thanks for joining me. Until next time, love you guys.